God. Content warning. This episode makes mention of suicidality and self-harm, so please proceed accordingly and take care. Welcome to the Skaterade podcast. I'm Jasmine. I'm Mac. And we're back again with our first interview of season three. So exciting. So yeah. glad to be here. Super excited to be here. We're really excited for this first interview of season three with Afton Blake Brooks, also known as Bumblebeast on the Derby track or Skate Biatch on Instagram. She is a mother of two, a derby skater since 2018, a Virginia All-Stars derby skater, mental health and trans rights activist. Afton, welcome Afton. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to come on with y'all. This is, I've been really excited about doing this. Yeah, we've been uh, actually trying for listeners. We've been trying to kind of coordinate for a while, actually. And we were maybe going to do an interview earlier, but then you were at Botas actually skating. Um, so we rescheduled. So it's been in the makings for a little while now. Yeah. And we're definitely excited to be here. with you. So just to kind of get started for folks that don't know you, can you give a little bit of your background as to like what got you into skating? Um, maybe tell us a little bit about kind of your history as an athlete. Yeah, so... Uh... Super, super quick. Um, I, I've always kind of done athletic stuff. Uh, I grew up doing like soccer and baseball, kind of like preppy shit uh, when I was a little kid. Um, and then I veered <laughs> off and did uh, horseback riding, actually, for about 10 years, um, competing in Virginia. Um, and that I did. I ended up doing really well until uh, in 2001, I actually had a, a horse fall on top of me uh and ended my career of riding uh because it destroyed oh. my ankle and uh i actually chipped a piece of bone off the same one that christopher reeve chipped and like paralyzed him uh so it was it was kind of scary um but then stopped doing athletics oh, for a long time oh, yeah. and um and then you know kind of uh i i grew up in a very contemporary christian family uh, very brainwashed, went to a, a Christian college and all that stuff. And so like, you know, I, I got brainwashed into the white picket fence. You, you know, you have kids, you have family, you buy a house and you just go about life. And um, one day everything got twisted upside down within the matter of about four months or so, uh, four to five months. My mom passed away from a massive stroke um, that was all of a sudden. And then I found out that my ex-wife was cheating with somebody she worked with. And um, it was a big old battle with trying to do like, you know, child custody. And um, I actually had me being trans used against me in a court of law to try and get full custody of my kids away from me. <gasps> so it's been it was a, it was a really battle. And it was like an extremely dark time in my life. Uh, I, I did attempt suicide. Um, May 1st of 2018 and then came out as trans publicly in July 4th because uh, I wanted the Independence Day of my own and um, and then started Derby um, had a friend who was in Derby so I went to a Derby meet and um, I didn't know what the hell was going on and it, but it was like it looks really cool 
And so I was like, well, hey, now that I've transitioned, can I play? And so I went in October of 2018, I went to my first derby practice and I never looked back. Like I was just like instantly bitten by the the skating bug. Yeah, I think there's like, I've heard so many people share throughout the course of my time in skating, specifically derby, which has been like, I don't know, the last eight to 10 years. Like so many people just be like, yeah, I found derby at like a really dark time of my life. And it just really became something that like, ushered me out of that into something different. Um, and I think it's like, in some ways, that's something that's really special about roller derby yeah. is it often becomes this really like empowering and special like space that can help people work through like a lot of shit. There's something really kind of magical about that, which is interesting. I, kn- I know like, like I think that's the one thing that really helped me is my team instantly, because mm-hmm. I had like super short hair, I had just transitioned. So it's like, you know, very male appearing still. And um and so, like, being accepted by an entire community right off the bat without having to explain or do anything like that was really had an impact on me. Because you're going into a sport that is kind of supposed to have that vibe, but you don't necessarily know if that's what you're going to get. And it really does depend yeah. I think, a lot of times on your local league and your team and, like, if they can really, like, be down for you and support you. So I was curious, what, what was it like for you kind of getting into this sport? Um, as a trans athlete, um, I know you've kind of right. spoken about that on social media, but I'd love to hear where you're at with it these days. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so when I showed up, you know, like I, I sit, sat in my car for like 45 minutes because I was scared to go in because, you know, these these badass people that are, are skating and slamming into each other and just like all this stuff. And like, you know, like they're just so cool. And so like I, I almost didn't go in. But then I, I ended up going in and one of the one of the refs that was on skates was like, oh, so are you here to uh, to be a uh-huh. rep? And I'm like, well, <laughs> not exactly. I'm here to here to skate on the team. But like uh, instantly everybody accepted me, <laughs> used the correct pronouns. And um, sorry, my, that's that's nugget. You're going to hear her from time to time. But it, it was really, really good. But it's also bad in a way because like. As accepted as I was, it was almost too safe of a place. Like, it got to the point where, like, I hung out and did life and did everything with these people. And they became my family. But I almost forgot how dangerous the world is when I have to go back out into the real world. Because, obviously, a lot of people don't accept trans people and don't accept someone like me who, like, I I feel like I'm the the thing that the community fears the most because I am athletic. I am very strong because I work very, very hard at lifting and building muscle and becoming a better athlete. And I don't physically pass by like a community or, or our society's standards. I do find that like there are times where I have to remind myself, oh, I'm going back out in public where it's not safe. And so it, it's been it's been good and bad. I can in definitely the same relate sense. to that. Like some of the ways that it can be easy and actually I think life saving and important to kind of build insulate ourselves right with community that like really just wholeheartedly accepts us or like is really down for us. But then yeah, it can sometimes be really jarring when it's like oh I've really just been here and I've yes. sort of forgotten about the things outside of this. And there's a certain level of like being able to code switch that is necessary. And sometimes it. You, it's like hard. It's like easy to kind of forget that you have to sometimes in those instances. And I can only imagine like with trans misogyny too, it being like that much harder, you know, like you're saying for you and some of the ways, like whether or not you you feel that you're passable or are passable, um, 
yeah, I can only imagine that being like a very difficult reckoning to have to go through. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that I struggle with still a lot because like if I'm going into the gym and like, you know, I, I, I have a very accepting gym, but like, you know, obviously I go into the locker room, throw my stuff into the locker room. I don't look around. I don't want to see anybody. I don't really care about anything like that. I just want to get in, get out, do my stuff. But in the same sense, it's like you have so much hate and, and we're in a time where you can't get rid of things. So like, you know, if I'm sitting there at night trying to relax, scrolling through my phone, um, part of it because my FYP and I'm very attentive to what's out there. Um, but part of it's also like it's just so much hate that is around that you can't get rid of it. And so it like, even though I logically know what is in my brain, there's a lot of times where I'm like, well, I don't really pass. And so I don't really fit in with this group, even though they do accept me, but what if they don't really accept me? And it's kind of like, you know, this whole mentality of, and it could be just me too, because I have um, several mental, um, things that I work through. Like I've been, I've been in therapy for, oh, <laughs> I've been in therapy for um, a while and working through a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. And so like, it, it's, it's easy for you to get into these situations and to, to spiral into just irrational fears and irrational thoughts where you get to a point where your brain actually starts to believe them, even though you know they're logically lies, but your brain starts to believe them because you questioned it. So I feel long. like Jasmine and I were kind of just talking about that actually a little bit and how it's so easy for them that to just feel like reality, you know, like whatever thing you're saying about yourself to just feel like it's reality, you know? So That's yeah, relatable, very relatable content. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yes, mm. exactly. You're going through a lot when your skate journey began, obviously. What impact did skating have on your experience of kind of like the grief and the growth that you were going through? Like, tell us more about where skating came in. So when my when my life kind of fell apart, not kind of, my life did fucking fall apart. When, it, when everything fell apart, like one of the things that I wanted to do, because I didn't, you know, I was coming out, transitioning, and I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't have a clue of what I stood for or what I believed in, because I had been so brainwashed by religion growing up that, like, I never really questioned things. Like, you're, you're taught to just regurgitate and accept what you're told and not question stuff. So, like, my goal for 2018 was to do everything that scared me. I wanted to do shit that just like really just made me scared and took me out of my comfort zone. And so skating was one of those things. And once I started doing it and started getting involved in the community, um, I'm, I'm athletic naturally anyway. Um, so I kind of excelled fairly quickly. Um, uh, especially because, <laughs> and if anyone in my team is listening, they'll laugh at this, but like for the longest time, I was about a thousand times more reckless than I actually had talent for. And like, I just didn't, you know, I was in such a dark place. I didn't care about my body. I didn't care what happened to my body. I just wanted to push me to the end of whatever I could and see how far I could take my physical abilities and take myself out of my comfort zone. And so like, you know, I started um, 
started doing derby and I got on the team, I think within three or four months, uh, the B team. And then um, I started. Um, so uh, I know that uh, Kathleen Smack Mamba um, has been on your show as well. Uh, she's one of my teammates. And so she's the one that actually introduced cool. me into skate park stuff. And so I started kind of getting into it in 2019, but didn't do a lot just because, you know, Derby was in the forefront of my mind. And then uh, 2020 hit and we lost Derby. And so I started to um, get really heavily involved in park. And like, I don't know, I love I love the aspect of park because. The thing with skating for me is like I call it a fear curtain, so. Uh, as long as I can push back the fear curtain, I can do something. But skating is the only place where like once I step into a bowl or once I step into the park, the fear goes away. So as long as I start moving, I can try whatever I want to try. But it's the only aspect of my life where I can push through that fear, where I, I, I don't know what where the ability comes from, but it's the only thing where it's like once I start moving, mm -hmm. I can I can do it. And so it's really kind of taught me a lot about life in where it's like it doesn't matter that like I'm taking small steps. What matters is that I'm still pushing and then I'm still trying and I'm still like working through that fear. And it's like something else that it's taught me is that like what I fear isn't what somebody else's fear. My, what my strengths is not somebody else's strengths. And so like it's really cool how like especially with park skating it's really cool how we can all work together and build each other up and like bring each other along for the journey. But I can also like watch somebody else that has a completely different skate style, do something. It's like, it opens up a world to me because creatively I don't think the way they do. And so it's like, Oh, I never even thought about trying that in this one little area. Let me work on that because I, like, I never would have thought of that. So it's, it's really taught me a lot about my strength. It's brought my pain <laughs> threshold a hell of a lot up. And then it's also taught me just like how strong I like, you know, how many times I've gotten injured, how many things I've been able to do. Like years ago, again, I was a lot more reckless than I had talent for. And I, you know, for a long time, I was trying the the fakey front flip um, <laughs> on like 10 foot verts. And um, up until the point where I, I broke a Damn. truck and like slammed the shit out of my head. And the person I was skating with was huh? like, yeah, you, once you stopped, you were did still convulsing. And I'm like, okay, I think I need to, at my age, I did think you I have need a to calm it down a little bit for longevity. But, <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, I did. I had, I had all my gear, helmet, uh, mm -hmm. especially for that trick, because it's a blind flip. Uh, I always wore my helmet just because... You never know. And watching the videos, my head always came so fucking close. Like, yeah, you, you can sit there and watch uh, Buzz LeClaire do it. And it's like flawless. That was not me. I was the person that was like centimeters <laughs> from the ramp yeah. uh, as I was rotating. Because <laughs> I think of any skater, your practice really speaks to what you're processing. And it seems to me that you find yourself torn between times of recklessness and approaching from a place that emphasizes longevity alternatively so can you speak to how your skating becomes mm -hmm. a physical manifestation of where you're at in a given moment 
Yeah. Um, so for me, when I first started, I just wanted to throw myself into it. Uh, so I'm somebody that like, if I believe in something or if I love something, I, I don't know how not to get myself 100% to it. I don't know how to just dabble in something. Um, it's either all or nothing. And so, uh, so like I said, when I, when I first started, I got, I was really reckless. I was just throwing a bunch of stuff and like wildly kind of going at it. Um, and I got, I think I had between Derby and park, I think the first year I skated in 2019, um, I had three concussions, so it was not, not the best of times, but, um, you know, as uh, I am 41 years old, so I'm not super young. And like the, sometimes I got to remind myself that I'm out here doing shit with people that are like 20 years younger than me. But at the same time, like it, it's hard because, you know, it's something that we it's something that teaches us a lot about life. It's something that gives a lot of us community. It's something that kind of gives us a lot of family, uh, especially for several of us that don't have a lot of family left. And so a lot of times we throw ourselves into it so much that it ends up becoming almost a burden because it loses its joy. We lose our creativity in it because it becomes something I have to do instead of something that I can find joy in or that can be an outlet and like it becomes a job almost. And so like lately I've kind of stepped back from I used to try and like post once every day and that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, skating is not about what happens on Instagram. Skating isn't about, you know, showy stuff. It It's the community. It's the joy. It's the creativity. It's the to be able to see and grow together and like uplift all your friends and like celebrate when people have victories uh, to lift each other up when we have shit going on and we don't want to do it anymore or, you know, we get scared and like we're working through something like to encourage somebody else. And like skating, it, again, is one of the only things that I can on a physics level look at it and be like, OK, I understand this. And I don't know why that is. But like if I can't envision what it looks like in my head and I'm talking like weight distribution, um, like angles, like I'm talking all sorts of like physical type aspects of the trick if i can't picture it in my head i won't try it and so that's why it takes me several months or so to actually even attempt some certain tricks just because like it doesn't make sense in my brain i don't know it's 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 something that has like it's something that you can do alone but you don't have to do alone and that's something i absolutely love about like i can take my skates and go skating or else like i can meet with a bunch of people and you know, we all just have fun and enjoy it. And like, it doesn't have to be this burden. It doesn't have to be like, it doesn't matter what you skate on. Like brands, if it works for you, it works for you. <laughs> if it, you know, but in order to say, oh, well, you need this brand in order to be a cool skater. That's fucking bullshit. Like, don't even come at me with that shit. You know, like everybody has something that works for them. And, um, as long as we're out here encouraging and growing the sport together and like not excluding or leaving anybody out, then, then it's a win. You are this very community minded skater, but at the same time you do like to be on your own and you have a isolated process as well. 
can we chat about your love for skating alone? I've seen you post some pretty poignant realizations about finding the strength when you don't have the spark at the top of the session, skating by feel versus technicalities and drilling and shifting your session focus and response to your skating environment. Like I just feel like you're, uh, there's always a lot going on in Afton's brain. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, inclusivity is something that's like I'm uh, uh, I'm highly uh, empathetic, mm-hmm. and so inclusive inclusivity is something that's important to me because um, so when my when my ex wife uh, and I were like very very newly um, separated. Uh, it was literally after I got out of the hospital, after I attempted suicide, like um, I had said something to her because the girl that she was seeing ended up list- moving into my house when I went into the hospital, like the day I went into the hospital. And so like I was like, she can't be here because, you know, my my uncle's a psychologist and says that it's not good for the kids to have something that changes that quickly. And so like she uh, she physically to my face said, well, I never loved you anyway. as like a jab at me. And I know it's not true, but in the same sense, it's a sentence that has utterly destroyed me um, to think that I went 10 years with somebody who didn't love me and then essentially had never been loved. Um, and so it's very, 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 very important to me to not have anyone else feel that or feel that low or feel unwanted um so community is is extremely important to me and it's why there's several times you'll see me if you follow me it's it's why i speak out a lot against things that happen in the community and i'm I'm never sitting there bashing i'm never gonna be mad at anybody for um fucking up because we're humans and we're all gonna do it but i will judge you and i will be mad at the um, response or the lack of response of how you choose to go about learning from it, responding, apologizing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know. It, it's I, I love the community and stuff like that. But here uh, where I'm at, uh, I do find that like when I my availability to skate is not as open to other people. So I usually skate alone a lot. Um, and it, it is a really good time to like, I zone out. Um, it's different in park and skate and derby to me. Um, so in derby, once the whistle blows, like I can sit there on the track and look at things and be like, I don't know how people do derby. I don't understand <laughs> it. But as soon as the, when I'm on the track and as soon as the whistle blows, it's the one time in my life where everything blacks out. I don't see anything. I don't think about anything. I just go right into reaction mode and I have one single goal and I go for it. And then, of course, when the whistle blows again, I'm like, I don't have a fucking clue what just happened. (laughs) Um, But it's like it's it's this ultra focus that I've never had in any other aspect of my life. Whereas Park is like I'm focused into it, but like I'm thinking about so many other things because obviously it's not on flat ground. I'm not really bumping into anybody else. I'm not part of a team. I'm doing it by myself. As you obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you'll see on Instagram or any social media where it's like, oh, they 
they landed this and it was so cool. And it's like, yeah, but you don't see the thousand attempts where I fell and I had to work through it and got so fucking frustrated that it like it took me six months to land a, a stupid ass full cab. I'm like, God damn it. Um, but like you don't see the 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 struggles to get up to that point. So like I I do like posting stuff to where it's like, here's me working through it, here's me falling, here's me getting really frustrated, here's how I communicate with myself, because I sit there and like if I can't get it, I'm like, you stupid like I will sit there and encourage somebody, be like, Oh, you got this, you're doing so great. Just one more time here, try try changing this. And if I miss it, I'm like, you stupid ass motherfucking bitch, why can't you just you stop being scared? Just get it. You know, and it's like, we're so hard on ourselves, but it's yeah. like, in the same sense, when you get out there by yourself, like, I'm, I'm going to push myself harder if I'm with somebody. Um, part of me is like, I have this inert feeling that I have to prove myself, I guess, when I'm with people, with, with other people. Um, that's a personal issue that I'm still working through. But um, when I'm alone, like, I can sit there and, like break break it down to because i'm not trying to perform um i want to i've gotten to the point where like i don't want to be able to just do something and say i did it i want to master it i want to understand it i want to be able to physically like slow it down in my mind as i'm doing it so i know that i'm doing it right and i know what muscles are engaging and i know exactly how to recreate it if i need to that's such a productive way to go. So about it's really, it's, it's cool. It's, it's taught me a lot. Yeah. 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 I really relate actually to what you're saying too. Like for me, one of the reasons Derby was so good for me was that thing where it's like when I'm skating and I'm playing, like there's just nothing else, like just absolutely nothing else yeah. other than like scoring points, <laughs> like, <laughs> like literally and like analyzing the right, game exactly. and even sitting on the bench, like just being so hyper-focused in. And it sounds like when you're at the skate park, you're processing more. Like, it sounds like you have like almost the time and space to like process shit. And there's stuff you're like working on, obviously thinking about with the skating stuff. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like there's just like a different type of spaciousness that it creates within you that gives you like yeah. a very yeah, different it, skating experience. Yeah, it is, it is extremely different for me because it just like when I'm on the track, I'm, I'm on, I'm powerful and I'm very strong. And it's funny because like if I come, I come in very hot to the pack. And so like you'll see people's <laughs> eyes get really big because I'm coming in like really hot. And um, but in when I'm park skating, it's all about flow and style and my own personal expression of basically who I am and where I'm at at that point. Yeah. And I don't I don't create that in Derby, I don't think. Park skating is way more self-expressive, you know, it's way more. um yeah embodied in certain ways like derby is much more about achievement and accomplishment and it makes me actually think about what you were saying too around like how stuff starts to feel like a burden and what i think about with that is i'm like yeah part of that is competition competition makes it feel like a burden because mm -hmm. you constantly have to be improving and there's like a duty that you have to the competition of it all sometimes with roller derby and with the park it literally is like I think right. some, you know, some people go to competitions and in some ways you're always kind of competing with yourself. You know, like I know that there are some ways there's, there's that element, but it's really different. It's really, really, really different. And it's really cool to hear you talk about the ways that you're able yeah. to get things from both of those environments and lean into your strengths in both of those environments. Mm -hmm. 
and enjoy them both. That's really interesting too, because I never thought about it that way. Whereas like Derby, when, when I went to BOTUS, like I was nervous because it, it was like live streamed and you know, a lot of people are going to watch it and stuff like that. And I don't know, I ended up only playing in one game because I got hurt and it was stupid and I'm an idiot and yeah. I shouldn't park skate while I'm supposed to be there for Derby. Don't talk to my friends. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, when it's Derby and that whistle blows, like, again, like I don't think about who's out there watching and I don't think about anything other than my goal is to get out there and score points for my team versus like park skating. You, what, you won't see me in a lot of competitions because I don't like to perform in, in front of people. I don't like to be in front of all. And like, it's a, it's a hard mix because I talked to several people about this, like, you know, like the blade cup, that kind of thing. Like if you actually want to excel in the park scene, you have to go to these things. Like if you want to get spawn, like big name sponsors and, you know, get a name for yourself, you have to go to these things. So first off, I'm not there because I can't fucking afford it. I'm poor. Second off, I don't, I just don't, I don't perform park skating well under pressure. Uh, I don't like doing it. Uh, I went to LA a couple years ago for um, a Jubilee video that I did. And, um, you know, I went to uh, Venice Beach and skated out there. And it was fun. But, like, I don't like people watching me, you know? And it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's really weird that it's that different between Park and, and Derby to where it's like, it doesn't matter how many people are watching in Derby. Like, once that whistle blows, I'm engaged versus oh it's my turn for park and people are watching i'm gonna get really super timid and i'll probably fuck uh, fuck something up i don't know if it's like this for you at all like i was a jammer and it did sometimes feel like there was more pressure on me but even with derby i just always knew i was like i'm just not alone out here you know like no matter what like it's never gonna 100 yeah. percent be my fault for anything you know short of me like getting a really awful penalty and then getting yeah. ejected because i you know did some stupid shit but like <laughs> short of that yeah that's on me and my team will still survive even, you know? But like, when I think about something like a park competition, it's like, no, right. everything is on you. It's the comfort of the high Everything mind. is on you. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very similar to you. Like, I yeah. really don't, I don't love being the center of attention by myself, but I can shine as a jammer when I know people are watching because it pushes yeah. me to work really hard, but I don't feel alone. Yeah. Right. Because you are, you're, you're still part of the team, but you are, you are technically on your, your own, own thing, to where of. it's like, I I'm in control. Yeah. I don't have to work <laughs> with other people because I'm the only jammer. So that's really nice, but I am still part of the team. So it's like, I, that's what I think I love about being a jammer is like, I'm not great in a wall because I'm just not, I'm not that good of a defender, but like offense best watch out. I'm, I'm going to, First off, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, psychologically psych you out on the line, <laughs> and then I'm gonna come after you hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think nice. the, the recently there was this one game. Yeah, there was a, a a recent game, and it wasn't. It was just an ex exhibition game. It wasn't sanctioned. It was uh, some friends of ours um, from Northern Virginia, and uh, I was like on the line, and I'm staring, like staring at the brace. And she wouldn't look at me. And I'm like, why won't you look at me? You know, like, I will. I love staring people down, like, right before the whistle blows, just to fuck with people's heads. Because just even a little bit of that, like, if you just get in there even a little bit, it, it's enough to, like, just throw people's responses off a little bit, to throw their, like, edge off yeah. just enough to, you like... You did stuff like that, too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Half the I game is psychological. 
half the game is psychological. Half the game is just oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so for me, my psychological shit, and this is why I played ice hockey growing up, but my psychological shit was always basically just like, anytime the other team would get really upset, I would just be, I would just act so unaffected by it. And they would start like, throw, like if people did cheap shots and stuff, I'm yeah. always just like, I'm never going to play to that. <laughs> And you're because you want me to be upset and I'm just not. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm just going to I'm just going to be better than you. And that's just yeah. and that's just going to keep making you mad. You jocks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm scared. But like, OK, but for real, though, one thing I do want to go back to one thing I want to go back to, because I feel like people don't talk about it a lot in Derby. And I've had so many conversations about this with people, especially around the sponsorship stuff and like mm. accessibility is the class piece that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. in derby and park skating people never fucking talk about i feel like people just don't talk about class and they don't talk about how being poor literally affords you fewer opportunities period no matter what even in communities that say they yeah. want to be accessible and that are like trying to be you know it's just like it's like there's there's like literally like a ceiling sometimes when you don't have funds because it's like if you can't afford to go to roller con how is that going to affect you if you can't skate in those exhibition games, but you want to be yeah. a sponsored derby skater? If you can't afford to go somewhere like Botas, if you can't afford like, you know, people forget that we're paying for this out of pocket. And like in order to get places and go do things to even be yeah. seen, you have to, there's like an overhead cost, you know? And I think I find that so frustrating in a community that con- right. constantly wants to be like, we're inclusive. <laughs> like, girl, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> are we? <laughs> yeah. And and honestly, that's still something I think Derby as a whole needs to to focus on because it's hard to make it monetarily accessible to a lot of the um, underprivileged communities yeah. or or aspects of our own personal communities. Yeah. And it is it's it's expensive. Like you know, I saved up for a long time. I actually have a I have a toe cap on my Derby skates because I literally can stick my toe through the front of my derby skate because I used it for derby and parks for the first year that I skated. And so like, I still have a hole in my derby skate because I can't afford to upgrade the boot, but like I I saved up for a long time to be able to afford the park skate. And what you don't think about is like, once you have more than one set of skates, you got more than one set of bearings, you got more than one set of toe stops, you got more Mm -hmm. than one set of wheels, you know, and it it adds up extremely fast. And like, you know, as as what we've seen in in society, anybody who is a part of the LGBTQIA right now is um, more than likely going to find a, a harder time to find a well-paying or a decent job at all. Job, yeah. um, and so, you know, we're. It's hard because we are a community that that claims I'm going to say claims because I don't really think we are that progressive. Um, I I think that a lot of the community loves to claim progressive ideas, um, but um, the actions haven't supported it as a whole. There's a lot of things that I see that still need to change. Um, But it's, it's extremely expensive and like you know, we're talking like monetarily, I'm talking geographically, you know, I've got some really good friends who are absolutely amazing skaters down in like South America and Europe. And it just doesn't get as much attention as somewhere like the West Coast or or like Florida or something like that is going to get because it's a lot harder to access features at skate parks or um, access gear. Like I know, like, 
uh, I have a really good friend in Argentina who's like, you know, you have to pay a, um, a shit ton of money to even get it through customs after they ship it to you. Yeah. And it's like so expensive to do anything like that. And so like accessibility for gear is just even ridiculous outside of the States. Yeah. Shout out to Skaters Without Borders. They <laughs> trying to do some of that work, I think. Yeah, folks are trying to make the effort, but it, it is hard. It's really hard. But like, I think a lot of people claim a lot of different things, but really trying to get creative about like really living it out and like organizing enough to like really mobilize and make some of those shifts and changes. I think doesn't always happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. Afton, I really admire mm. your willingness to have the hard conversations. It's not something that everyone is willing to do. And you want to have the conversations that everyone is kind of dancing around. And in regards to park roller skating, can you speak to the impact of exclusivity in the sport being predominantly femme presenting? And what impacts has this had on competition organization? What are your thoughts on shifting this status quo? Yeah, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't have an answer yet as to what I think we should do. Mm -hmm. Um but I know some things that we do need to get away from. And there is strength aspects of skating. Obviously, you know, I'm somebody who I'm in the gym five days a week because I, I can afford to do it at this moment. And so I'm, I'm going to try and do it just to be the best athlete I can. You know, I, I am a lot stronger than I ever have been in my life. But, you know, skating as a whole isn't predominantly strength based um and so i i still don't understand why we have the need to to gender uh skating at all and it, you know I, i've written several posts about stuff um as trying to use inclusive languages because it like you said it is extremely um femme presenting dominant like it doesn't matter if you are femme as long as you present that way you're more likely in quad skating you know just facing the facts to if you're cisgender heterosexual appearing you know uh cisgender appearing anything like that you're more accessible or more likely to gain sponsorships gain attention get followers that kind of thing mm -hmm. um whereas i feel like personally um I mean, there's several variety or variables that throw into this, but like, you know, I feel like as a trans woman, uh, because I'm not a passing, you know, I've got very broad shoulders. I'm not a very passing trans woman. Um, but because of that, I, I have to work harder at what I do in order to gain um, acknowledgement. And so like one thing I'm very, very big on is like, it, it really frustrates me to have a lot of these, oh, we're going to do non-binary and femme and trans women um, meetups because like and, and I, I do understand trying to have a safe place where people can come and skate and feel protected and feel open to being able to just have a good time. I get that. But by doing these things, we're having these... Um, kind of underlying messages that if you present too masculine you're not invited if you present a certain way you're excluded from the group 
Um, and so like, I just feel like we need to be really careful about how we go about talking in any terms of like gender, especially being a claiming to be a progressive community where we accept people of, you know, any gender, any sexuality, that kind of thing. Um, obviously there's like old school skaters that are very vehement against any type of femme or anything that's not a cis man in skating, which we've seen it and it's nasty and fuck them. Um, but in the same sense, like we're, we're working on it, but we're also as we're progressing, we're still excluding people. Yeah. And that's what I just, I, I think we need to really kind of think about, and really be open to it and like you know um i kind of called out a um competition that happened recently um that it was it was incredible like they were like oh we want trans women we want this and we want that and they had everything labeled out and it was great and then all of a sudden the flyer changed to um women quads uh, skate competition or something to that matter and i'm like where did the inclusive or women in LGBTQIA. That's what it said. That's what it was. And like, I'm like, as good as it is, like, we need to be better about, like, I, and I understand it's hard to get everything onto a, a flyer and stuff like that, but we need to be better about including everything that's in, that we want as our target audience. Because if you just say LGBTQIA and a trans woman wins, I can fucking guarantee you that somebody's going to be on that podium and trying to be like, oh, well, they had an advantage because of this and that. And, and you know, all the different arguments that people use against trans women in sports, which is absolute bullshit, because if they would actually fucking research and do some like reading, yeah. they would see that that's not the case. So it's I feel like we just need to be a lot better about like, like I said, I don't know. I don't know the right answer. I don't know what the correct answer is, but I know that categorizing things in gender doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like why would I not want to compete against the best? And if that's a woman, great. If that's a man, great. If that's a non-binary person, awesome. Let's do it. Like I, I want to, if I'm claiming to be the best, I want to go against the best. You know? Yeah, it's really interesting because I've been thinking actually a lot about this also in regards to kind of the way that identity politics have been like co-opted lately and the ways that like there does become these really interesting exclusionary tactics even within our own communities and how like trans misogyny also plays out very specifically within that. And so oftentimes it is always trans women who are the butt yeah. of all of that exclusion. So true. Um, which is really fucked up, first of all. Um, and second of all, it's interesting because the other thing that I see is basically like the solution that people have come to is like, is for safe spaces, which I'm, I'm personally all about like spaces that are like just for trans people. Like, you know, like I, I appreciate spaces mm -hmm. like that because of the insulation they provide. It's not the only, they're not the only spaces I go, but I do appreciate them when I feel that they're being run in a way that is like, you know, appropriate and like, you know, aligned with me ethically and like actually practicing what they're preaching. You know what I mean? Like I can appreciate those spaces. And so often I think with, within marginalized groups, the ways that we protect ourselves is by basically saying, we're going to exclude the people that we perceive to be perpetrators of this thing. 
right? Like whether that's like misogyny, which it's women being like women right. only because we're excluding men because men are responsible for misogyny, which like is true. And also men are responsible for undoing misogyny. So it sort of is like when we are talking about inclusion as well, it sort of is like what what can our resilient communities look like and what can those conversations look like if we are wanting to include people who may or may not be perpetrating and or engaging in certain types of behaviors. And really the question becomes, how do we build a culture where like we're moving away from those things that we have all been conditioned towards? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how can we, like even within the like dance community, it's like, how can we talk to the people that are like, especially men who are touching women without their permission? It's making people uncomfortable. It's like, well, how do we start having those conversations in ways where it's not like we just have to go do our own thing? but we're all invested in kind of like undoing this culture together and like kind of building something new. And I feel like that is where the skate community in general just really struggles. And a lot of us don't have answers and we're all kind of trying to figure out how to create spaces that just feel better. But yeah, it's like, what, what does that actually look right. like? How do we do that? Yeah. Not only within gender, but like within wheels, like, yeah, I don't understand the whole like quads and blades uh, versus skateboards. Like, Man, we all do the same shit. We all steal from each other. We all like grow with each other. Like, get over it. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why can't we? Why? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's just too much hate in this fucking world right now. Like, we don't need to add to it just because somebody finds joy in something else that they do, even though we find joy in something that's similar. Yeah, I don't get it. I think something that has happened to me time and time again is I try to come to the skate session, it's a park skating session or skating with a blank slate and like trying to be open to people. A lot of times the warmth that I bring and I'm like, oh, hey, how are you doing? And then you kind of like get that side eye or just, you know, you're not welcome here because you're, (laughs) no, you're a roller skater, not a skateboarder. Or, you know, oftentimes what'll happen more so in in the rink space for me is that I get hit on, I get sexualized, and I'll think I'm having this normal conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. And you know, you were there with me the time we went skating recently, and that gentleman wanted to take pictures with me and another friend of ours. And at first, it just seemed so wholesome. He was yeah. so happy that you know young people were still showing up at the rink and everything. And then meanwhile, he's whispering to my ear, "Oh, you look so beautiful," and I'm just like why it's it becomes hard to let your guard down that's something that i talk to both of you about privately is that you know i i do feel super um uncomfortable around cis men a lot of the times because the ways that i've been sexualized or the ways that i i've been made to feel intimidated or inadequate um and just the things that people think that they can say to me that's what what i hate about like trans stuff too because like the audacity of people it's unbelievable Mm -hmm. like i have i have been asked so many times well like what surgeries have you had what surgeries have you not had blah blah blah. and i'm like dude first off i'm asexual i don't give a shit about having sex with people that i'm really even close to second off unless we're fucking which is not gonna happen because i am asexual you don't need to know shit about my body. Like, for real. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah, people are very entitled and stuff. Yeah. I don't understand the 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 messages of, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and it's like, you've said hey for the last, like, 
two months and I haven't responded. Why are you still responding? Seriously. Have you seen my grinder? Have you looked at my grinder? Wait a minute. <laughs> Exhausting. Standard male joke. I'm a lesbian too. Yeah. I love that this just turned into us shit talking, man. <laughs> no, the misandry have... of it all. I'm here for you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, real. It's tricky, but you're also t speaking to the point that it, that I think why some of these spaces are can be really important is because it's like, yeah, you don't want to go skating and have to do all that emotional work. Yeah, exactly. and it is a lot easier to be like, well, I'm just not around the people that are perpetrating this, then I don't have to deal with it, and that makes me have a nicer time. And that's where I think these spaces are certainly very important. And it is this question of like, how do we also build a culture where like that person understands why asking that thing is not appropriate yeah and it doesn't just fall on like me as an individual to be like bro that's transphobic or you as an individual to be like hey you're making me uncomfortable but where we actually have communities that like have our backs around that so yeah. when people come into the community they understand like oh okay i gotta maybe behave a little bit differently if i'm gonna be here you know what i mean right and yeah. it's like i don't know i don't know how we do that either i don't have answers either but i feel like hopefully these conversations can get us closer you know yeah, and that's that's something I, I feel very passionate about. It, it's like, it is not our job. It's not my job as a trans woman to explain transness or explain or fight for trans right and, and explain why we're scared or why we're overwhelmed or why this and why that. Like, it's not my job to do it, even though, like, I'm, I'm fine doing it. Like, you know, I'm going to take some breaks because it gets really fucking overwhelming seeing all these bills and shit that, like, you know, Missouri just banned adult um, gender-affirming care. Mm -hmm. Just absolutely horrendous restrictions on, like, what you can do, what you have to go through in order to even get it. And then they're like, oh, well, and as soon as you're good, then we're going to detransition you in again anyway. So it's like, wow, what the fuck? So it's like, we are going to have overwhelm, but, like, the problem is... The only people that are speaking about it, it is are scary. the people that are involved. <laughs> yep. Because like it's not our job to do it, but if we don't do it, no one else will. I know it's true. And that's so part of my background, it, my educational background is in something called interpretation, but it was environmental interpretation. And basically the whole joke at the school was like, how do we get people to care about shit that they otherwise don't care about? So how do we interpret this information to make it like relevant to them? Right. And I feel like that's where people are like, you know, love to say that thing where it's like someone, you know, is probably trans or like this or that. But it's like, I think so much about how do we interpret stuff for people who aren't actually affected by a certain type of oppression to get them to actually buy in to change. Right. You know, and it's I don't know. Yeah. It's like so hard to get people yeah. to really try to, to like do that, you know? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm going to step on some toes here with this comment. But like, it's nice to see several people starting to talk about the trans agenda and the trans war but at this point it's almost too late like why why has it taken it this long and have this much shit happen in order for people who aren't affected to start talking about it like and we all know it's an agenda we all know that once they attack us because they see us as the weakest link right now then they're going to move on to the next thing and they're going to move on to the next thing again like you know we have all these bills against abortion, against people of color, against trans people. And yet we're all fighting these individual wars, but we're not coming together. And like, if we could actually speak as one voice for all these things, think of what we could actually accomplish, you know? And it's like, it just sucks that we've gotten this far into it. And it's, it's taken this much time in order for people to start actually speaking out. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really tricky. You know, there's like a long legacy of the way that like a lot of kind of these more like if we want to call them resistance movements have been really siloed, like in that same way that you're saying in these really like single issue, mm -hmm. like things, you know, like whether it's like race as a single issue, like transness yeah. as a single issue, et cetera, et cetera. And I will say like, just for, for maybe a little nugget of hope, I feel like disability justice and a lot of the, a lot of disability community is really starting to think about models for like, how do we move away from that? And, and those folks have been talking about that for a long time, because across all of those things, disability is also the one that is at the very fucking bottom. Like disabled people already have so few kind of like rights yeah. in this country in terms of like ability to get care, access care, not to mention like COVID and the effect that that had on folks with disabilities. So like, I feel like that's a community that we can also look to around like, how do we get out of these silos and start to mm -hmm. come together to really like be down for each other and like collective liberation in some different ways. But it is very hard and capitalism loves to disorganize. Right. So it's, you know, I don't know. Where people can't physically see yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And so they just assume that there's nothing that you're struggling with or there's nothing that's like a barrier, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. Speaking of that, actually, you, so one of the things I really love, I've loved about following you for so long is that I don't, you know, there's some people that post about mental health stuff on social media. And like, I feel like sometimes people post about it in ways that are like, super kind of like either surface level or mm -hmm. like very like, uh, digestible or not digestible, but very like, what's what am I look? What's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, like, like respectability politics stuff, right? Like, I'm still kind of catering to like acceptability, basically. But I feel like some of the stuff you've talked about and shared about has really resonated yeah. with me and has been similar to some of the stuff like I've shared about around things that are like, a little messier around mental health and like a little bit darker, honestly. Um, and it sounds like that's a big part yeah. of, that has been a big part of your life for a long time now. Even tonight, you've been talking about, you know, there's some things I'm working through. So I am curious about, you know, what it's been like for you to share about that, you know, on social media and how like that experience has been. I know recently you also kind of posted about becoming maybe a little bit more private um, and kind of the luxury of, of being more private. Um, but I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about that. Yeah. It's about just being vocal about mental health stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of going to, I'm kind of going to go against my privateness and say something that I haven't told a lot of people. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I'm very, I don't like to hide shit. And like, I, I think one of the reasons why I'm so open is because I held in especially growing up into a religious family. I held that I was trans as a secret for decades. And so the moment I let that go and came out, like I, I truly thought I was going to lose hundreds of friends and like people were just going to disown me and blah, blah, blah. And like a few people did, but I think I lost like you know, on social media, I think I lost maybe two or three people and gained 14 friends. And so it was like, I had a really, really positive coming out. Um, but since then, I just like it physically hurts me to to hold in secrets because I know how freeing it can be to let it go and just be genuine. And I've learned that people respect you for being genuine. Like they don't have to necessarily agree, but they will respect you for being true to yourself. Um, and so, like you know, recently I, I have kind of pulled back some just because. It's very overwhelming with all the, the bills that are being introduced against trans people and all like scrolling through social media and seeing so much vehement hate 
and like just attacks on trans people. Um, and then, you know, recently I was dating somebody for seven months and, um, we, we, she broke up with me. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I took that kind of hard as well. And, um, so a lot of people don't know, and I'm actually very surprised that I was allowed to go and even compete in BOTUS because, um, the week before BOTUS, uh, I had a massive mental breakdown at roller derby at our one of our practices. Mm -hmm. And like somebody had confronted me because they thought I had an issue with with them at one of the practices that we had. And it, it, I didn't. But like, you know, I was in a very dark place. And at that point, I had already. Um, hmm. I had. I had made a plan that at the end of March, I was going to kill myself. Mm -hmm. um, I was in a very, very, very dark place. And I had reconvinced myself that uh, I didn't think I had insurance. So that was a big th reason why I didn't um, reach out to anybody. Um, but um, there was there was one night. I came really close. I had my kids with me and that's the only reason I didn't do it. But like, I just felt so alone and I felt so unworthy and like, you know, no one's going to accept me anyway because I am trans. So I don't really fit in with this group, but I don't fit in fully with that group. And like, you know, your brain just starts going at it and going at it and going at it. And anyone who's ever been low enough to even consider unaliving no, I don't know if you ever pull out of it. I don't know. It's not pretty. It's never going to be pretty. And I don't know if you fully can heal from getting that low. Um, and so, like, you know, the, the post that I made recently about um, us unaliving ideation and that kind of thing. I wasn't going to post it. I, I went back and forth for like a week, whether or not I was going to post it. And um, I, man, I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional. Yeah, uh, take your time, babe. I, uh, within two hours, I had probably six people reach out and be like, I fully know what that's like. I know exactly like it's like you were speaking for me and like as much as I love solitude it fucking breaks my heart that so many people so many people that I care about understand like it's one thing and and I don't know if anybody else can relate to this but it's one thing for me to not feel it and to be that low but I never ever ever want anyone else to experience it or understand it or know what it's like and I will fucking fight for anybody like I am a safe place I will talk to you I will call you I don't give a shit what time it is I don't go to bed till like one or two in the morning anyway so if you need to talk let's fucking talk but like in the same sense like I've become so independent being on my own for several years I don't know how to ask for help I it's it's a fucking, I feel like such a fucking burden when I do, because like at my age, I shouldn't like, it, as far as like what society has taught us, I shouldn't have to deal with these issues, even though 
so many of us do. And it's like, this is real shit and it's dirty and it's ugly and it's not going to be good. And it's like, it's emotional. And like, I fucking cry at everything. And like, I was driving to get my kids today and a Lewis Capaldi fucking song came on and I'm bawling my eyes out while I'm driving the damn truck to get the kids. And like, you know, but like, uh, uh, it's, it is nice that other people can like relate and like, I do enjoy when that happens because then I can actually reach out to those people and continue to check on them to make sure that somebody is out there that they know cares about them. And that's extremely important to me because I know what it's like to not think that anyone fucking cares. And so like, I, it is very positive to be that open. And I know a lot of people don't have the capacity to do it, but like, it's really affirmed me and it's like, but in the same sense, like I will say this, like I don't know half the times and this is, this is my own bullshit brain going after me again. But like half the time, I don't know if people following me because the shit I say and they don't know what is going to come out of my mouth next <laughs> or if they're following me because of how I skate and like the talent or what I've grown into as a skater. Like I don't, I physically don't know why people follow me or even listen to me, like let alone seem to enjoy stuff that I post about. Like, I don't know. I, I still very, 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 very much struggle with um, a lot of like self-acceptance and um, that kind of issues. Yeah. Sorry to, sorry to make you emotional I as know. I was talking. Ooh, I'm over here crying. I'm so glad that you're, <laughs> I'm so glad that you're still okay. here. You know, you're such a beautiful person and yeah. I can attest to Afton's oh, kindness and willingness to be there for you at one in the morning. We've definitely messaged each other back and forth at one in the morning, at least one time. Yeah. So I was just thinking about, you know, you not seeing your own impact and the beauty that you are as a soul and as a friend and as a skater and as a talent, like you're, you're a full package and I'm, I'm so happy that you're still here and I follow you because of oh, all of the above. I will, <laughs> let me, I will say, yeah, I will say, I, you know, I, I did end up finding out I had insurance, so I am back in oh, therapy. I've started some medicine. <laughs> so like, like if, if you're in that place and you can find resources, please, 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 please do it. It's it is going to therapy, being on medicine. It's not a weakness. You know, this this hard, this world is fucked up yeah. and it's a really hard place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I really relate to a lot of what you're saying. And I think that's like one of the things that I think is so special about like sharing is that like, especially when you're in that really low place, it can feel like, oh, I shouldn't share this or what's the point of sharing it or whatever. But like more often than not, there are like so many people that can relate and it's really special that like folks reach out, but that you're also yeah. able to like, not only like be a mirror for them, but that it sounds like they can kind of be a mirror for you as well. And mm -hmm. I know like it does. And I'm sure that there are so many people that didn't message you, but who it really meant something to anyway, yeah. that, it, that they maybe felt the same way, but we're in a place where they didn't right. feel like they could reach out or they didn't want to, you know, like bother you or whatever. So, you know, you had those six people reach out, but I feel very certain that there are like so many other people too that were impacted in similar ways. I know like for me too, like, right. 
I also like saw that post and I was like, yeah, no, I get it. Like I've been there and it's like so shitty, such a shitty place to be in and it's so hard and it, it helps me feel like it is. when I'm there, I'm not alone, you know, it's yeah. not so bad. Like when I get to hear other people talk about that stuff and so much mental health shit is like so stigmatized still and always like, even though we oh, say yeah. it's not like it is and people don't know how to fucking act when you're feeling suicidal and people you know, like get weird and avoidant and like don't know what the fuck to say. And like, we like to pretend yeah. that we're like gonna be good for each other. You know, like I feel like a lot of people are like, no, it's fine. But then as soon as I'm like, yeah, I wanna fuck, I wanna fucking kill myself for the last three days and all I've been doing is sleeping, people are like, uh, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> like it, it's wild to me. It is so fucking wild to me that like I have friends all over the world now because of the skate world, because of the skate community. Like, it, it's, it blows my mind that, like, I've had conversations with Bomba and Kate Skates and, like, you know, I went and judged a competition with uh, Ivy and Kayla, um, Little Space Cowboy. And, like, you know, like I've, I've met so many just absolutely beautiful and, like, amazing people. And it's, like, sometimes, you know, it's really, really easy to forget that, some of these amazingly talented and like, you know, like anytime I talk to Buzz LeClaire on, on Instagram, like obviously we don't see each other because she's in France, <laughs> but it's like, anytime we talk, I'm like, how does this person even fucking know my name? Like, you know, it's wild. But like, I think sometimes we uh, associate talent to like this inhuman ability to venture through life. Mm. And sometimes we forget that these people are human too. You know, and we forget that they have struggles just the same way we do. And like, they're so good. And like, you see them do all these amazing tricks that you forget that they're actually. Cute. Can I add one and interjection like, though? They know who you are no, because no. you are that bitch. She is average. Sorry, I had to do it too. Because I knew you weren't going to give yourself the credit. So I wanted no, to. You're good. You're good. Yeah, but it's true. And that's the thing. Like, uh, that's not. another thing about some of the. <laughs> cultural stuff that i'm just like why do we have all this hierarchy bullshit why are we fucking pedestalizing each other like let's cut that shit out because that shit pedestalizing is literally right, right. dehumanizing like you put someone on a pedestal and all of a sudden as soon as they yeah. do something wrong it's like they're the worst person ever you know it's so like polarizing it's like can we all just treat each other like people yeah. and honor each other's talents 100 you know exactly. like be like yeah this person's so fucking talented but like we could do without the hierarchy you know and it also just feeds into then people not feeling good enough constantly. Right. And it's like, you don't need to feel that as much if we didn't have that and cultural th hierarchy, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and for me, you know, it, it's, especially with the skating, like I, I kind of had a realization last year and I went through therapy with it and I made a post about it. And it's like, there's no other aspects of life where I assume that if somebody likes the same thing I do, that they should automatically be my friend. But in, in the skating world for oh, yeah, years... I automatically assume that oh you're skating too we have we have quad skating uh, together we're we both like the same thing and there's not a whole lot of us out there so we must be friends no I do, it doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make any sense logically like none of it makes sense so it's I like love the ideal of the there are gonna be people out there in a, in our own community that we yeah they're gonna be people that we don't get along with and that's okay we don't have to be friends but we don't have to be assholes to each other yeah. either yeah that post really hit me because i didn't even realize that i did that shit but i do that shit i'm just like oh we're all one community we're all good like we're all friends right but i'm like oh no a lot of people are not trying to be my friend and that's fine. right yeah 
appreciate. I really appreciated that post, actually. Hmm. Oh. oh my gosh. Oh, I am interested. So, speaking of brands and sponsorships and brand Ooh. loyalty, though, I know you got some brand loyalty. <laughs> I, know, I know you got some brand loyalty happening. Um, so you're because you're sponsored by G Straps, right? I... And then you're also on the Gender Shredder team, right? I've been on G Strap for a couple years now. And I'm going to do a selfless plug. I just came out with my own personalized strap. And it's really fucking cute because it's, it's got little bees and gay honeycombs. And it's amazing. <laughs> and um, I think 25 or 27% of the, the sale. So, like, if you buy it, it actually, you know, helps me skate um, and afford to skate. I'm also recently on the Gender Shredder. And, like, Alex is amazing. I fucking love this team. Like, you know, it, to have a team that's like built on just complete like a group of minorities is so fucking brilliant. And I love it. And like everybody's so encouraging and the team is amazing. And there's some absolute like shredders on there. Um, and I just recently um, I'm uh, by the time this comes out, it'll probably already be announced. But I just um, accepted another sponsorship with uh, Effie and Eat My Skates from Florida. Um, so I am now officially on, on that team as well. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, and like, uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw out some other brands that I love. I, I fucking hella support TSG. Like yeah. I've had so many conversations with the owner. Yes. To, yes such to. a sweet guy. I made a story about like, there's only like a handful of trans women that are sponsored. And this dude reached out to me like, and goes, hey, can you tell me who the other people are? Because I want to make sure that I'm following them. And I'm like, that is fucking amazing. That is what we need. We need people to be like, oh, well, just let me let me know who they are so I can keep my eye out there and like maybe help some people or this and that. And like, you know, just an absolutely fantastic guy. I love the product. Um, I can't speak high enough about, you know, TSG's owner. And the product that they have. So I just want to pack in very, very, one very second TSG. Supportive of that. I love my TSG new pads. <laughs> Thank you, Rust Belt Roller Skates and Kitties for my yeah. TSG new pads. I, I wrote TSG <laughs> strictly TSG for many years in Derby, and I would only wear the TSG knee pads. I love that shit. They're so cushy. They're so good. Yes. Yeah. They are. Yeah. Well, also though, just for it. one more, just again, in case you missed it, she has her own g-straps that if you buy them she will materially benefit which is what minorities and trans people and people yeah. of color are needing right now yeah if you want to be supportive yes follow her yes hype her there up go buy this shit please yeah if uh, if you do follow me all the uh links to the straps um there's a keychain uh skate leash and then the strap uh, actual straps they're all on my link tree in my um, bio. We'll link them too. We will the also be linking notes. them in the episode notes. Yeah. Uh, so just take note, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> we want material support as much as we want emotional support, if not more. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Tip us. Tip us all. Thank you. Wait, actually, though, you should tell people your Venmo. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> What's your if Venmo, you Afton? I think it's just Afton Blake Brooks. Okay. I don't know. I think it's just that. Uh, 
Um, and you already have shared certain things, like obviously you're available to people. Um, you care a lot about specifically, it sounds like, especially suicidality and like the really low points. But I wonder if there's maybe folks who don't struggle, like if you want them right. to know anything or other babes who do struggle, if you want them to hear anything from you. So I think the the main thing is like, I think a lot of people push shit off just because they think that, oh, I should be able to handle this or you know, they don't they don't get help even though they think it or or they don't get help because they think it's not a big enough issue to actually seek help for. I think that's a main problem that we have in our society is that, like, we feel like we have to compare. Oh, well, it's not as bad as this. So I don't really need to seek help for it. Or it's not like it's not that. So, like, it's not really that bad. I can still deal with it. If it's bad for you, find help. Like, if it's something that you're struggling with, it doesn't give, I don't give a flying fuck if anybody else thinks it's a big deal or not big deal. If it's a big deal to you, it's worth looking into. It's worth um, seeking help. It's worth going to therapy. It's worth talking to somebody, a friend, uh, like anybody. Like no aspect of mental health is a weakness. We all are going to struggle from time to time. We're all going to have issues. We're all going to be at low points. We're going to have high points. We're going to have different aspects of life. If it's a problem or if it's something that you've been struggling with or if it's something that you just want to fucking understand better, talk to somebody. Like you, like what we were saying with the post and being open, like you never know what else anybody else is actually dealing with. You know, we can't read minds um, and you'll, you'll be surprised sometimes how like accepting people are when you just say, hey, this is fucking kicking my ass and I, I need to I need to just talk to somebody yeah. like I just need to get out of my head because I'm like obsessed with it right now. Yes, more sharing, more letting ourselves share, more just like checking in. And yeah, I feel like it's very demystifying too when you mm. open up yourself in that way. It takes me back to what we were talking about earlier about pedestalizing people and assuming that other people's existence is easier and they just float through life on a cloud. When you open up your world in the ways that you have, it's so illuminating for other people. We could use more more Athens, especially in the social media space, because it makes me also think about the fact that a lot of the skating boom has been fueled by social media, but in other ways, it's kind of pushed people away. I feel like the space can be really overstimulating and creates these cycles of, of alienation for people. I know that it has for me. So to see someone like you who is just being so open about their experience and being so on how do I say, Un, uninfluenced by what you should and shouldn't do and embracing ideas like trial and error and not being afraid to fail, you know, in the process. Um, yeah. yeah, just wanted to say that. <laughs> and like I said, it, honestly, it, it has like hindered something. So I had a, a prominent skate company that I auditioned to be on their team at one point in time uh messaged me after i didn't make it and was like 
Well, sometimes when um, someone has a presence in the community like you do, it's better if you're not on a team. Like, they're like, we don't want you to have your own voice. What the fuck does that we don't mean? want you to like, have your own voice is what they're saying. Like it was it was that one moment that maybe be like, I'm not I'm not going to change who I am. and I'm not going to silence what I have to say, because like I care so much about the community that like I really like as much as I call shit out, I'm not mad at people like I just want to have a solid foundation as a whole so that as we grow we're not going to hit like this massive bump and have a huge fall off. Like I want other people to actually have the enjoyment of growing and understanding themselves on a better level and understanding that they are so much stronger uh, than what they've limited themselves in, in what they think they can do. Um, and so like, it's not about hate or anything like that, but it's also needs to be said by somebody and like, you know, there's countless times where I say something and people are like, oh, I fully, you know, believe that. And I fully think that way as well. And I've had people be like, yeah, I don't agree with this. And, um, you know, and we talked it out and it's like, oh, well, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, but you didn't think about it this way. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, well, shit, I didn't think about that aspect of things. I need to read. I need to step back and rethink about things, you know, and process stuff. And so, like, it's a growth thing. Like, it's not it's not that I'm sitting there calling out people because you're doing shit stuff. It's, it's, Hey, what can we do to make this better? So that like, as we grow as a, a society, we're going to have the most solid foundation so that we can continue to give this to other people as we kind of age out. Mm -hmm. I love that like vision of sustainability, you know, this idea of being able to like give it to someone as we age out, yeah. but in a way where it's like, healthy you know we're giving them something healthy not something that they have to like fix yeah right right <laughs> uh, yeah and with talking about something to you know pass on to the next generation of younger skaters i feel like you have this really unique perspective on inclusion in sports because of your experiences of being an equestrian and now playing roller derby and you've had a lot of opportunities to talk about trans athlete inclusion both on your own platform but also like you said earlier you were on a panel for the popular youtube channel jubilee and how has your perspective shifted and and changed over the years and what have your takeaways been as far as like maybe since your experiences as an equestrian growing into a roller derby athlete today and, and being someone who is publicly really visible in that in that video, how things changed for you since then in your perspective or different takeaways that you had? Yeah. Um and, and it's it's gonna be the same thing probably for this this podcast, whereas like I'm gonna think about it and upset about it for a while and be like, oh man, I could have said this better. Um, so like, you know, especially with the Jubilee video they're there, you know, it, it's hard being in the moment because you're, you're sitting there like this isn't, this one isn't bad because like we're all on the same page and like we know each other and it's great. But like Jubilee was hard because it's like, you're there with people that don't agree and don't want you in their areas. Um, and so, you know, there's heightened, heightened emotions and that kind of thing. And so like, there are several things I said on there where I will be like. I fucking back that up all the time. But there's also stuff I'm like, eh, 
I probably could have said that better. Yeah. You know? Um, and I, I definitely don't go back and read the comment. That's no, no thanks. Yeah, um, brutal. But like, yeah. So what's what's really cool and like what we were talking about in the beginning of the of the podcast is like the Queer Skate Alliance interview that I did, and like looking back on that and seeing some of my answers, and I'm like. I was such a baby queer. Like, I didn't have a <laughs> fucking clue what was going on. And I don't even know why they asked me shit. And, like, I love Olive. I, I fucking love Olive. Olive is amazing. We stand Olive. Um, yeah. But in the same sense, I'm, like, looking back at that and at the Jubilee video and, like, seeing how far I've come personally with like being open to other people's thoughts and other people's like, you know, I, I do have several friends that, that um, deal with a lot of like disability stuff that I don't normally think about. And so like, you know, this is why you'll hear me speak out a lot about trans issues, but not a lot about a lot of other issues because I will support you. And like, uh, I will, I, I will, I will put my thoughts out there, but I don't feel like, especially like with race issues and stuff like that. Like, I know we all know what happened at BOTUS this year, and it's complete fucking bullshit. But like, my voice, as much as much as I am prominent in the community for speaking out against stuff, my voice, I did add my voice to the 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 mix. But my voice shouldn't be, as a white trans woman, my voice shouldn't be prominent in that right. discussion. I am, I would love to do anything I can do to help fix and work towards a better solution. But as a white person, I should not be the loudest voice. Now with trans issues, my voice is going to be out there and I'm going to have a powerful voice. Um, and I've worked very fucking hard to get to where I am to have like these experiences with Jubilee. And um, I did another interview. It's a UK company that um, is promoting um, trans individuals in, in sports and trying to break the, um, the stigma. And so like, you know, like people keep reaching out to me and it blows my mind and I love it. And like, it's been really cool over the years to to kind of to to meet so many people that are are so different. Whereas, like you know, I'm I'm a very slender, very tall but very slender person. So like, I haven't had to deal with fat phobia or anything like that. And so like, I've had some friends that I I turn to or I'll go to ask questions and be like, Hey, can I can I get your opinion on this? because I do want to speak out about it, but like I need to understand from somebody else's perspective. So it's really cool to kind of see how much I've, I've been able to grow and, and get a lot of friends that um, are willing to have these open and hard discussions and teach me as well as me being able to invest in them for the, the knowledge that I have. Um, so I, that's one thing I've, I've, I've been really fortunate with is like, my journey has been documented several times. So it's been really cool that I can go back and see like, oh man, I really didn't know what the hell I was doing back then. And like, mm -hmm. whereas now I'm like, you know, it's, and it's, it's extremely sad that I'm like five years into my five, six. I don't know. I'm several years into my transition and I'm considered an elder trans. Like that's the saddest thing in the fucking world to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm very honored that 
people want to listen and people interact with and comment and like have discussions when I do speak up about certain things. So it's it's been really cool to kind of see my own personal growth from from then to now. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of clarity too on kind of how you want to use your voice and what you want to use it for. Like I'm hearing a kind of like measured and like responsible approach to it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like a lot of clarity of kind of like what your lane is and where and how you want to plug in, which I would imagine you didn't really have that, you know, previously right. as you were just kind of starting no. edges were, you know. Yeah, it was it was it was most definitely a make it or fake it till you make it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing back. But like, you know, people came to me and it like it was, you know, I'm just like, okay, let's go with it. And like <laughs> as, as you go, like I don't I don't believe even now when I, I do have a very prominent voice in the in the people that do follow me. Um I don't know everything. Like there, we're all still learning. We're all still doing life. We're all still on this journey. I'm going to be wrong at certain points in time. Other people are going to be wrong at certain points in time. Like it's all a, it's a journey together. And as long as we understand and keep that in mind that we're still doing this and learning and growing no matter what age we are, because even though we're adults, it doesn't mean we know everything. It doesn't mean we have the right decision on everything. It doesn't mean we understand everything. Like we're still growing together and it's still doing community together. And so like, let's talk, let's discuss, let's debate. Like we don't have to be in such a, uh, Oh, well you believe this. And so I hate everything about you kind of like political aspect of where our world is. Like you, we don't have to agree, but we still can discuss and we still can debate and we still can grow and we can still like find answers together, even if we don't agree on certain issues. Yeah. Often there's this beautiful clarity that comes through when you're speaking these words aloud. And I don't know if this con this question is kind of neither here nor there, but have you ever considered posting more videos of yourself talking? talking through things or doing video essays or something? Cause I feel like you kind of have a knack for it. Um, uh, I have it like, um, because of, uh, uh the prominence in, in like speaking out and stuff like that, I was very, very, very honored to have an article written up in the, um, anti-click Zion that just came yeah. out volume 15, which is freaking amazing. <laughs> Get it. There's so many amazing people in this, but like, get it get it because it's selling out fast Ooh. but like it's really really cool and like just to kind of have something published like that is just is crazy and like i i love speaking and speaking is different speaking is, is kind of like speaking versus writing is kind of like derby versus park mm. to me writing writing is very much where like I can focus, I can think clearly, I can express ideas. Whereas when I feel like I speak, I feel like there's a lot of times where shit that happens up here gets mixed and doesn't actually come out to where it's like understandable here. Yeah. Like, so once it gets from my brain to my mouth, it's like, what the fuck is she trying to say? Like, you know, like, so I, I haven't really thought too much about like, doing doing videos or anything like that but i absolutely love writing cool this is backpedaling a little bit but you mentioned earlier with everything that went on at botas that you know 
you understand that it's not, you know, directly your place to speak on what happened with the mistreatment of Team Black Diaspora or Team Indigenous Rising. Could you speak a little bit about what it was like to be there as an ally and some of the conversations that have gone on in your own derby circle since then? Yeah. So uh, I honestly didn't know anything like that was happening I didn't hear about it until we had all left. I actually had to, the person I rode up with um, from my team uh, had an emergency at home and I was injured, so I wasn't any good. So we ended up leaving Sunday, early morning. Um, so I didn't even stay the last day, but um uh, heard about it and like, I was just, I was blown away. Cause even, you know, uh, um, a member on our team at refs, call her by her skin color instead of the jersey color so like you know it wasn't just it wasn't just them so it, it was a pretty fucking shitty ass experience for several people um and and so like it it has definitely sparked a lot of discussions on like so as of right now in our home league we lost our venue because of um, disagreements as far as acceptability of queer individuals as a whole. What? So we're 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 currently looking for another venue to host our games. We have one that we we're going to be able to use for some games coming up, but it's really fucking mm -hmm. expensive. So we're trying to find something else. But like you know, we we were supposed to have uh, we were going to host a tournament in October, and so like these kind of discussions have like really opened up like we have a, a no shit like policy. Like if this happens, you're out. Like I don't, we don't have, we don't care. Like we don't tolerate this kind of behavior kind of thing. Like we're, we're as a league, um, I'm, I'm very fortunate because our, our league is very, very, very good and very, we recently in 2020, right before COVID hit, we started an equalities committee. And I, I've been a part of that for the last several years. Um, and um, it's great. We try and talk about, like, how can we make it more inclusive for um, gender nonconforming people? How do we make it more inclusive for disabled people? Like, you know, so we're, we're constantly trying to to have those hard discussions within our own, like, individual league about, like, okay, here's what's going on in our community. Here's what people are speaking out about. Do we have anything in place that could could work towards fixing something like that if it ever came up in our own personal league? Um, so the stuff that happened there has, you know, it, it, it's been on everybody's radar. It's not anything new, which is horrible to say. But in the same sense, it has, like, sparked about, like, if this is something that continues to happen, how do we as a league, what do we do? Like, how do we, how do we make sure this doesn't happen? How do we make sure everybody that comes feels safe and like included um, as a whole kind of thing? Yeah, it's like tricky, right? Cause it's like, there's the, on the one hand, it's like, how do we deal with the harm when it happens? And on the other hand, it's like, how do we build a culture where we're doing less harm, you know? And it's like, it's hard, it's hard. And yeah, and in the same sense, like I, I, I'm somebody because I do feel like a lot of times when I speak out, people listen. 
But there's several times where nothing mm -hmm. changes. And I don't want that to happen where I'm somebody who's listening and I don't change anything. I want to be able to listen, hear you, repeat it back to you and then be like, OK, let me process this. And then we're going to make a plan of action and find some way to fix it. Like, I don't know if, if nothing actually happens. Then you weren't really listening in the first place anyway. Yeah. Or at least weren't able to understand what that means in terms of like implementing different behavior, you know, or like action. Did you not hear me or do you not just care? Like, well, where, where's the line? How do you figure that out? I'm also getting this sense of you kind of being a nurturer in the way that you approach conflict. Do you think being a mother has impacted the way you approach conflict in the world at all? Absolutely. So you, you know how you hear all the stories of like, oh, I fell in love with my kid is like from the first moment <laughs> I met them. <laughs> but like the moment my daughter was born, I'm like, what the fuck did we just do? <laughs> like, I'm not ready for this. I'm like, what is going on? And watching her grow and like having a voice in her life and seeing how much she just adores me because I'm her parent and like cares about her and I'm so fucking protective of my kids and I adore them and they are honestly the reason I'm alive and they have taught me so much about what love is what unconditional true unconditional love is that like it's really made me because pre-transition I will say I had a a very heated temper and I can get back there but with since I've transitioned it's not nearly as bad as it was but I think a lot of that has to do with them whereas like I don't want to hand that down anger was handed to me as a stepping stone from my father Sam I don't want to hand that to my kids I don't want to teach them that I don't want to I want to block that from the generational curse and so like it's very important to me to be like, you know, because recently my daughter broke her wrist. She was stepping on a piano bench I have, and it's one of the cross arm ones. And so when she put weight on one side, she just went down. Like, I didn't even see her go down. It was just all of a sudden she's on the ground. It's so bad when your babies are hurt and like you can't do shit. And so she's sitting there going like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, it isn't like, why would you ever think that an accident, I would be mad at anything that you did? Like, I, I could be, I might be upset at you for some things, but I want you to know that I will always fucking support you and I will always be there. Like, if you want me there, I will give anything Mom. up so that I can be there with you. Like, I want you to know that this is extremely important to me because I know that there's going to come a day where I'm not cool anymore. And I'm not like you're going to have that that those teenage years where like you don't want to be around me. So like as of right now, I'm going to eat this shit up because like. I am the, the cool parent that skates and is like hardcore and like, you know, semi-known-ish. And, um, and so like they've taught me so much about like life and love and how to just handle things and like being able to even just stop and think and process and step back and look at a bigger picture rather than just emotionally react. Yeah, it sounds like they've taught you maybe patience, too, in some ways. Um, or, like, almost, like, slowing down oh, within yourself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> the next question about the kids is, are you going to put them on roller skates? Or have they shown any interest in roller skates? 
So, so uh, talking about my daughter breaking her arm, this is actually her second time she's broken this arm because the first time was her on roller skates. <laughs> Yikes. So, she has not got back on other than like to roll around in the kitchen or like if we go to a skate rink, she won't skate park anymore. But um, she does like, you know, putting my skates on and skating around the house or, or stuff like that. So she she does enjoy that. Uh, my son is Roblox, Minecraft, you know, like YouTube, all that stuff. He doesn't give a shit about anything else. Like he's one of those people that's like, I'll speak if I have something to say, but other than that, if if I don't have anything to say, please leave me the fuck alone. And I, I love it. That. He's so cool. <laughs> Sounds like my husband. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, oh, I guess yeah. we're approaching wrapping up. I have a few questions for you on a personal level, very self-involved questions. Um, <laughs> one is so the way that you approach park skating is super technical and the way that you break things down if someone doesn't have a natural proclivity towards being really technical which i do not what is your advice to kind of think about breaking things down and sort of locking in those skills like you talked about earlier because you want to learn the trick not just to land it once but you want to be able to recreate it like you said right yeah and like you know, it, it, it kind of, you know, eat, eat to each their own. But it does kind of frustrate to me to where, like, people are like, oh, well, just go faster. Like, okay, like, you know, it took me forever to get down rail because, like, I'm great on flat rails. I love flat rails. But, like, I couldn't understand the, the weight distribution on a down rail. Like, do I lean back? Do I lean forward? Like, I, I don't know. For some reason, my brain just wasn't processing that kind of thing. So, like, it took me forever to learn that kind of thing. Um, so someone that's a little less technical, like I, I usually try and break something down to a, um, so here you go. I'll, I'll, I'll do uh, a backside stall. So the way I teach people to do a backside stall is like, you want to go up to the, the coping to where your front foot almost hits the mm -hmm. coping and then kind of get up because you don't want to jump early because then you're not on the actual vert section. And so physically you're body weight and your force is going to go this way not this way and so you want your force to go up but what you want to do when you get in the air is here here's my imagery that i try and use so that people can understand because i love like metaphorical type type language say and y'all y'all can answer me when i ask this question <laughs> say you have two armfuls of groceries right you have, you have like, just, you, you don't want to make that second trip. You have two armfuls of groceries, but the door to your car is still open. How do you shut the door? With your hip. So once you, and so like, I've had several people be like, I look stupid, but every time I do this, I yell groceries. <laughs> and it's like, I love it. I love that. Like, you know, like some people that don't understand that, okay, this is still, this is still physics even though it's an everyday characteristic of something that I can do. So like I usually try and like very, very, very elementary breaking it down to like, let me, let me get you to imagine how to do this and then you can process it and apply it to something that you didn't really think was an aspect of what you were trying to do. That. 
take something that I can do and apply it to something I think I can't do, but I really can. <laughs> Good logic, honestly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's what, like, honestly, that's the, the biggest joy. And that's why I love teaching park skating is, like, to see the light bulb hit and to see people be like, oh, shit, I physically can do this. And, like, you know, and actually push through that barrier, push through that fear curtain, like, that is the most rewarding thing ever to me. I love that. Also relatable. Yeah. I, would, I loved getting people to those moments with roller derby coaching of that, that aha moment. Yeah. It feels so, it's so, it's so special yeah. to get to like witness that in someone else and to get to kind of like literally watch them like right. accomplish the thing, you know, like it's so, yeah, very magical moment. Very magical moment. I'm glad you mentioned roller derby too, because my second question relates to roller derby. Jasmine's gonna be doing basic training. Hey. Yeah. Uh -oh. So I'm doing yep. basic training with Gotham at the end of this month. <laughs> well, the episode will have already come out uh by the time I'm in No, it won't it wouldn't have come out yet. Anyways, I'm doing basic training at the end of April. And when you were talking about going to your first practice after and you're talking about sitting in the car and being nervous to go in. I really identified with that for, you know, previous new things in my life. And I know I'm going to be super nervous my first day. What's your advice to me? So, um, it, it, it's, it's hard when you're beginning because um, you are nervous and you're scared and you're, you're overthinking everything because our brains like to go into worst possible scenario thinking. And like, it, it's hard because you haven't gotten that experience of like, so if you, if you have park skated, like, and I'm going to re re reference something I said earlier, like park skating, a lot of park skating has taught me that like, you know, the, the biggest fear comes from that first step into the bowl. Like the fear curtain is there, but once you, once you find a way to just sit there and breathe and push through that fear curtain and put that first foot in the bowl. After that, you're already moving. You're already like going and it doesn't matter the speed at which you uh, go. Like you got to remember that every single person that's in Derby started where you did. When I started Derby, I had never skated except for like the middle school outings, which was <laughs> bullshit because you got all those rentals and you're like, you know, a kid. So like limbs are flailing everywhere. So, you know, like years, years and years of not doing this. So like, you're going in as a brand new skater. So sometimes you've park skated before. Sometimes you haven't. Sometimes you've never put skates on. But you're going in. Everybody has started where you start. Everybody's like it, it, it's it's a journey, and and you're gonna you're gonna have camaraderie with the rest of your rookies. You're gonna you know find community with them, and then you're gonna grow into the community with the vets once you like continue. If if you can choose to continue, mm -hmm. not everyone yeah. does, and that's cool. <laughs> but like it's it's not about you. It's the same thing as like weight training. Like a lot of people give up in weight training because you don't see instantaneous results because our society loves instant results. It's not about the instant results. It's about one step, another step. Another step doesn't matter the speed at which you're stepping. It doesn't matter the length at which you're stepping. It doesn't matter anything other than you're physically stepping. It's one foot in front of the other. And if you can focus on just doing one thing, one small thing, and not look at, oh, well, I want to make the A-team. Like, 
that's a great goal. That's a wonderful goal. But that's not attainable anytime soon. You need to look at something that's closer to a realistic, attainable goal. And let's attack that first. And once we start making these small steps and this this growth over a period of time, you're going to make these massive leaps and these massive changes. And you're going to take something that you want to do and turn it into a lifestyle that will actually take hold instead of, oh, well, I didn't really, I, I haven't, it, it's been like several months and I haven't made the A-team. Why haven't I made the A-team? And it's like, you know, some of these people that are on the A-team have been skating for like 10 plus years. Like this is, you know, you can't expect to, to have instantaneous results. And I think that's something, you know, going back to like sponsorship, like people that get into park skating, like automatically think that they should be sponsored. And like, it just doesn't happen for everybody. And, um, and so like a lot of people get discouraged by that and like turn, turn away from skating and stuff. And it's like, as long as you're growing and as long as you're stepping and as long as you're moving, you're, you're winning, you're, you're doing it. Like, that's encouraging. That's what I needed to hear. Honestly. That's what matters. Cause the goals that I have are pretty small. I just want to come out being yeah. a better skater. Um, I'd like to get better at running on my toe stops like y'all do. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I'm really bad at that. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Across <laughs> all those streets that are getting stripped in the summer yeah. and walk across on your toe stop. Yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah, that's really great insight. <laughs> I'm definitely a step-by-step person, so thank you for that affirmation. Good. You know what I heard in my You're going to do great. You're going to do amazing. <laughs> I'm excited for it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, I'll find my jock yet. The jock inside. I'm ready for this. <laughs> I'm ready for a Jasmine's jock. <laughs> well, Afton, this has been amazing. You've touched my heart yet again. You're such a beautiful soul and an amazing person and an amazing talent. Wow. And thank you so much for your time. I am extremely honored to be able to do this with y'all. And like, like the moment y'all, we started talking and we were like, oh, this is going to happen. I'm like... <gasps> I'm <laughs> so excited and like I love both of y'all and I, I'm just very 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 honored to to be a part of of this with y'all yeah we appreciate your energy you know I feel like I've met Afton the counselor Afton the motivational speaker <laughs> like so <laughs> Afton the skater like so many versions yeah. of you I'm like yeah I'm like it's just been so nice to like get to know you <laughs> off of the screen you know like it's one thing to have that kind parasocial yeah. connection with someone yeah um and it's another thing to get to really like exactly sit with them and you know sit with each other and um yeah i want to thank you specifically too for like sharing some of your pain um with us today and like sharing just like some of your truths with us, with us today like yeah. we got you know really vulnerable and that's something that although it sounds like it's something that's really important to you and comes naturally in some ways it's not something that i want anyone to take for granted you know? yeah um so thanks for your time right. and your energy and your sharing. Absolutely. I appreciate all the questions too. It's, it's been a really cool, cool stuff. All right, everyone. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap. I guess. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Bye. All right. So we just finished our chat with the amazing Afton and it was such a beautiful experience. She really opened up a lot and we really connected to 
a lot of what she had to say. It was honestly very moving and energizing. Definitely. I definitely hope too that like listeners out there can connect with some of it too, especially around the mental health piece. And I imagine that people will be able to. So I'm always very grateful um, to have our guests on and Afton was a real treat. Yeah. Mac and I were definitely having similar conversations right before she came on the call. Cause we've both been in sort of a heavy place and you know, there are some problems that even roller skating can't solve. <laughs> yeah, real. And also sometimes it's like when you're so depressed or so low, it's like hard to even get yourself to go skate. And then it can be kind of this like pit that feels, you know, hard to get out of. Um, yeah. And this is where I think for me tonight, what was so nice was just the connection of it. You know, like certainly we're connecting because of skating, but just like sitting here with you two and kind of just like, hearing like just feeling myself mirrored in some of the conversation you know was nice yeah. you said it felt like kind of a therapeutic conversation earlier and um I think that sort of resonates with me a little bit it, I think it felt serendipitous to have the three of us all in this space together tonight as right people who have just been kind of like struggling in our own ways but also trying to kind of like be in the world and participate um so yeah it was really nice was really I totally nice. agree felt like a conversation I didn't necessarily know that I needed but like definitely needed same same yeah yeah it's just great when you can actually talk about what you're going through with someone even the other day being in the shop there's this really great uh really great customer uh who I won't name by name just in case but you know she came in the other day and she is from France and there's always this like really cool sense of connection when it's someone from an other country and you can kind of still you know connect on your day-to-day experiences but anyway she came in and she was saying to me you know I bought my skates from you a year ago and I've fallen in love with skating ever since and it's so great to be back thank you so much Jasmine and she asked me how are you doing and I said you know not great and she really appreciated that I told her how I was really feeling. And we had this whole conversation about how people don't say how they're doing enough. And I feel like we need to, when we, at least when we ask those questions, we should really, really mean it. If we're going to ask someone how they're doing, expect a real answer. And I really feel that way. No. I'm like, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing if I don't really want to know because I probably no, that's don't what care, I'm you know? That's I what I'm like, saying. Don't ask. Yeah. yeah. And there's such a culture of like, that is a question that you ask, but the answer, we already know the answer is supposed to be, I'm good. How are you? You know? And it's like, what that is that, is that connection or is that, you know, social nicety? And right. not that those things have to be mutually exclusive, but True. like, I don't know. It can feel definitely disingenuous or just like a, Perform- performance, you know, and certain yeah. social performance rather than like an invitation to actually connect sometimes. But it's a good thing to to, to think about. I feel like maybe don't ask that question if you don't mean <laughs> it. Fully. <laughs> Definitely don't ask me that question if you don't mean it because I'm going to talk to you about it for yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so some other exciting news that we have is, I don't know, maybe you've seen our stickers. Hopefully you have. If not, ask us about them. We have stickers available. They're cute. They're vinyl die cut. They hold up super well. Um, 
And we also got some patches made. Yes, we got some patches from the very talented Heather Kane, aka Project Pinup. You may know her from other roller skate accessories projects, but we've got these beautiful embroidered iron-on patches from her. And we'll be selling them in our Ko-Fi shop for $12. And essentially what it serves as is an opportunity for y'all to monetarily support this podcast so that we can continue to produce and put the podcast out in the world. So if any of y'all want to buy those, they're beautiful and I would really appreciate it. And Mac would really appreciate it. And our stickers are pay what you want. So if a uh, patch is a steep ask, the stickers are pay what you want. And we'll probably even send you a cute little note. Yeah. <laughs> we're sending them to you. Yeah. Because that's uh, any incentive. We've been sending out notes with all of them. So note, note is guaranteed. Definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, thanks so much to everyone who has been connecting with us, whether like on Instagram or just kind of through listening to the podcast. Um we got to play the game a little bit. So definitely if you're down to like um, leave reviews or like rate the podcast, we'd really appreciate that too. It's good for us. Um, and also good for us kind of monetizing, which we're hoping to do a little bit more of because it's hard out here in New York, y'all. It's hard out here in New York. Okay. <laughs> it truly is. And um, in addition to that, we would just really love to hear your feedback. And by you just rating the podcast, it raises us up in the algorithm so that other people can find our podcast too. Yes. But yeah, thank you so much for listening. As always, we're really, really grateful to have folks here with us that um, are invested in some of these conversations too, and really excited to be, you know, uh, uplifting some of the voices that we've been able to uplift. Um, and I know it's felt like a really good and important project in my life personally. So it's nice to know that other people care about it too. I completely agree. And if you don't already, you can follow us on Instagram at SkaterAidPod. And if you want to reach out to us with questions or guest ideas or whatever you really want to say, you can reach out to us at SkaterAidPod at gmail.com. See and, you soon. Oh, wait, I forgot. Uh, also, if well, clearly you're already listening to the podcast, but just so you know, we're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And Mac, what's that beautiful tagline from, from your mom? My mom. Skate hard and have fun. Yeah, do that. Bye. Bye. <laughs> that was cute.